I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's take a look at reincarnation. But first, shout-outs! That's right, we've got shout-outs to Aaron, Aaron, Angie, Austin, Autumn, Brody, Seth, Carolyn, Chuck, Dan, Daniel, Devin, Dill, Edgar, Elliot, Erica, Aaron, Fabian, Harley, Heidi, J-Mark, Jade, Jason, Jeff, Jenny, Jennifer, Jerry, Jim, Joe, John, Joshua, Joshua, Kelsey, Kenny, Kira, Kyle, Laura, Laura Rutho, Lauren McCune, hi, Lawrence, Leo, Lindsay, hi, Lindsay, uh, M. Caballero, Maggie, hi, Maggie, Michaela, Martin, Matt, Matt, Megan, Megan, Milo, Nanashi, Nick, Pablo, Peaches the Cat, one of my favorites still, Rachel, Reed, Rosa, Sage, Sarah, Sarah, Shelly, Suzanne, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Travis, Trey, Troy, Veronica, and Vincente. Thank you all so much. If you want to be like the cool kids, head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac. Okay, let's get right on into paranormal news. This one's going to be a hopefully a little bit longer episode, so I want to get right into it. Paranormal news. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Paranormal News. Let's go to the first story, which is China found a mysterious gel-like substance on the moon's uncharted far side. For those of you that listened to the Blob episode, this is immediately what I thought of. China's Chang-4 lunar rovers discovered a strange gel-like material with an unusual color on the moon's uncharted far side. According to Space.com, the mission's rover, U-22, that's weird, U-2-2 found the unidentified substance. Science made, scientists made the discovery when they were reviewing photos taken on the rover's camera and noticed a strange material inside a crater that showed color and luster, unlike the surrounding terrain. Now, researchers think the substance could be melted glass formed from meteorites crashing to the lunar surface, but they just don't know what it is. So that's creepy as all hell. If it is a blob-like substance then that would definitely mean that these, um, the blobs, if you've listened to the blob episode, that these blobs, these purple blobs, are definitely coming from space. There's no way that they're not coming from space, but we'll find out. Up next, here's why DARPA wants to borrow a labyrinth of underground urban tunnels. There was a news article a couple uh, last week that said DARPA would like to borrow your labyrinth network of underground urban tunnels, but they didn't say why. Well, the agency clarified that the request was in support of the Urban Round Subterranean Challenge, a team-based competition to develop and use technologies for navigating unfamiliar underground spaces. So nothing creepy or zombie-like or post-apocalyptic like everybody thought, even DARPA. Um, it was a terrifying, like, hey, we need underground bases and we need them now. So apparently, if you believe them, 
it's nothing more than them just wanting to uh, run some tests kind of a thing. Okay, up next is one that I actually got a few people sending me in, and I'd already seen it, So, but thank you anyway. If you see articles that should be in Paranormal News, please either feel free to send them over to paranormalalmanac at gmail.com or send them over to me on Facebook, Paranormal Almanac on Facebook. Feel free to private message me or DM me or whatever you call it over there on Facebook. Um, I love getting in touch with everybody. I'm falling behind. I've been so busy at the stupid day job that I've been falling behind, but don't worry. I will get to all your messages. Thank you guys so much. And your emails, too. Thank you guys so much. But send them over to me there as well. If you see anything that should be in paranormal news, that's where you should send it. But this one I got a lot of, and rightfully so. I'm very excited about it. Travel Channel sets air date for Loch Ness Monster... That's not a monster. Documentary. So basically, the Travel Channel has a premiere date for its two-hour documentary, Loch Ness Monster New Evidence which seeks to unravel the centuries-old mystery of the mythical monster. He's not mythical, and he's not a monster. The special watches Neil Gemmel, sure, of the New Zealand-based University of Otago collect environmental DNA samples from the waters of Scotland's Loch Ness. Now, if you guys remember, I've talked about this a couple of more times on, uh, on a couple of other paranormal newses, but apparently there is new evidence that they saved just for this footage. Now, Loch Ness Monster New Evidence presents video footage provided by eyewitnesses and spotlights the multiple expeditions of naturalist Adrian Shine, leader of the Loch Ness and Moorer Project. Shine, whose archival footage survives to this day, provided provides historical context for Nessie research and joins, I don't know if it's Gemmel or Gemmel, to collect eDNA samples. Cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman is also featured in the film, casting doubt that the world-famous surgeon's photo which depicts a creature coming out of the lock, was a hoax. What? Casting doubt. No, it was a hoax. We know it was a hoax. All right, so I already don't like cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman. But if you want to be on the show and tell me why you think it was a hoax, please, love to talk to you. So that is exciting. Once again, uh, Loch Ness Monster New Evidence debuts in the U.S. September 15th at 8 p.m. on the American Pay TV channel. And in the UK, September 15th at 7 p.m. on the Discovery Channel. So it's either going to be on the Travel Channel for the U.S. or Discovery Channel for the U.K. For the rest of the world, I don't know. I do not work there. Up next, experts want to give control of America's nuclear missiles to AI. Because nobody has seen the Terminator. Um, it's, I don't really have to go into the story. That's, the essential, that's the, essentially the whole story, is that... Experts want to give control of America's nuclear missiles to AI because they think it's a good fail-safe because, well, humans are terrible. They're not wrong about the humans being terrible part. I don't know if giving robots or AI control of all of our nuclear missiles has ever turned out for any science fiction, nor do I think it'll turn out well for us if they actually do it. Up next is one that some of you guys might actually know about. It's a place that I've been wanting to go to for a while to actually record an episode at it and do a paranormal investigation at. It is the Hotel Cecil. Now, the Hotel Cecil closed about a year ago, and I haven't been able, actually a little over a year ago, and I haven't been able to get into it. I've, I've emailed everybody that seems to own it. Nobody's gotten back to me. I've said, please, just let me go in. I'll even pay to go in. I just want to do an investigation. But the Hotel, the Hotel, the Hotel Cecil could finally reopen in late 2021. Now, if you guys don't know about the Hotel Cecil... There will be an episode, but here, here's a real condensed version of it. 
It's this really old historic hotel. It's very creepy. There's been a ton of deaths and suicides. Richard Ramirez, the serial killer, supposedly stayed in there for a while. But, oh, it opened up in 1924. It holds uh, 299 hotel rooms, 301 single-room occupancy residences. But it's mostly known now for a death that happened there. It's called. Uh, her name was Elisa Lamb. It's a very puzzling death that still, as far as I'm concerned, has not been figured out what exactly happened. Um, this girl, Elisa Lamb, supposedly normal girl, went to the hotel. She was staying there. Now, there's video from the elevator of her acting really, really weird. And then, boom, she disappeared. Two weeks later, after multiple guests staying at the hotel started to complain about the taste and smell of the water when they were drinking it and brushing their teeth and showering in it, so they went up to the roof, and they found it in the rooftop water cistern. They found Elisa Lamb. Now, like I said, it's a real tragic, very weird, mysterious death. But it was ruled an accident, which is straight-up bullshit. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's bullshit. But I would love to do an investigation there, because there are a lot of ghosts there. A lot of weird things happen there. A lot of bad juju is there. And I really wanted to do an episode from there. It looks like I might get my chance in late 2021. Okay. With that, before we get to the actual episode at hand, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Alrighty, so. Welcome back, by the way. I hope you love that ad. It's my favorite ad ever. Whatever that ad may be, um, buy two of them. Okay, so this is another one of those episodes that is impossible to prove or disprove. And a lot of the stories you just have to take on faith alone. And those usually drive me batshit crazy bonkers. I want to be able to prove or disprove stuff or at least debunk part of it. This is one of those where you just kind of have to believe the people telling the stories. Now, I will say there's been a lot of research into the topic and a lot of of valid scientific studies. So I figured, why not do a little something a little different? I'm almost at episode 100. Let's mix it up a little bit. It's just been a lot of UFO, UFO, UFO for a while. I wanted to mix it up just a little bit. And as you heard from the beginning of this episode, we're talking about reincarnation. People who swear they have been reincarnated and people who study the people who swear that they've been reincarnated. Now, surprisingly, at least for me anyway, when I started doing research on this episode a while ago, there are a few common things found. Now, I found them and then turned out when I found this one particular scientist that he had actually found it years ago. But I had stumbled across something and I went, well, that's really interesting. And it was just verified by this scientist. So I thought it was kind of cool. But there are a few common things found when dealing with reincarnation. And the first one is age. You're going to find that most of these stories involve young kids and their matter-of-fact recollection of past lives. Basically, the nonchalant way that they talk about reincarnation and their almost blasé attitude about it. Fun fact, I couldn't remember how to spell blasé, so I spelled it B-L-A-Z-I-E because I'm an idiot. I don't know if that's right. I'm sure it's not right. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's B-L-A-I-S-E. But, um... No matter how I spelled it, Gmail was telling me that I was spelling it wrong, and it was infuriating, so I just left it. So, yeah, it's almost their blasé attitude about 
the reincarnation, about them telling something and going, well, it's just how it is. Now, sure, there are a few... Um, a, a, a few of them are a little bit more insistent than others. I'll put it that way. But there are, for the most part, these kids just kind of matter-of-factly talk about their past lives, about their reincarnation. But age definitely seems like the first criteria. There's no way that they can know the details they're talking about. And um, most, if not all, seem to grow out of the reincarnation memories. What I mean by that is when they hit a certain age... They just kind of just forget about it. It just kind of move past it. Uh, whether you say grow up or grow out, it's a lot like hauntings in that aspect. Now, another common characteristic is birthmarks, but I'm going to get to that a little bit later on. I will say I haven't found anything about religion playing a vital role in reincarnation memories, nor race, nor location, none of that. It seems to me... Like, the reincarnation stories can be found around the world. So let's start with some stories, and most of these are from regular people commenting on videos or topics online. They were basically just volunteering this information without looking for accolades, more looking for like-minded people that would also experience this, and what could it possibly mean? Now, these people, again, most of them... 99.9% .9 of them didn't use names at all. So there's nothing to say like, oh, well, they're just trying to drum stuff up. They're trying to make it seem spooky. That wasn't that. There were a, a few where I was like, well, that's obviously bullshit. Like, you know, oh, I woke up yesterday and I wrote a song and I figured out that I'm really John Lennon. Fuck that. I'm talking about real reincarnation stories. And like I said, these people just seem to be looking for other people that have experienced it so they know they're not crazy. But even so, it's grain of salt time. It is up to you to decide if you believe them or not. I know it's a little bit different. Normally, I don't like doing stuff like that. But kind of like listener ghost stories, it's up to you guys. I found these very intriguing and very real. So the first one says... I spoke in full sentences from a very young age. Something else that I've noticed a lot about kids that ha talk about reincarnation. They seem to be very smart, very articulate, almost too articulate for that age. So anyhow, this one said, I spoke in full sentences from a very young age. One day, my mother took me to a doctor's office for a checkup. While she was waiting there, she started flipping through a magazine. Now, she said it was like a National Geographic, but I've gone through... I've gone looking through all the issues of the years likely to be in a waiting room in the early 80s, and I'm confident it wasn't actually National Geographic. Whatever it was, she was flipping through it, and with my little hands, I grabbed the thing, flipped back several pages frantically, and then I put my face like an inch above the page. I just froze there, poring over this picture of a ruined monastery in a desert, drinking in every little detail. My mother can't remember whether it was Africa or the Middle East, Unfortunately, anyway, she says, uh, she asked me what I like so much about the picture. And I said to her, I used to live there. She laughed and said, no, you've always lived with me. And I responded and I responded with, no, no, this was a long time before you were born, waving one hand at her dismissively. So she pulls me back from the pages and asks me, well, what did you used to do when you lived there? Thinking this is one of those games that children play when they're talking about firefighters or construction workers or the like. So she says, I told her, I wrote books and I grew vegetables and my little finger pointed at an outbuilding of the monastery 
and an empty field behind it. Well, I'm speaking in full sentences, but I can't read yet. My mother said she got very cold and started shivering from head to toe. The caption of the photo was explaining that the, that the monastery was nearly self-sufficient, gathering rainwater and cisterns to support vegetable gardens year-round behind the scriptorium where the monks produce copies of the Bible and other holy books. She says she put down the magazine, walked out of the doctor's office with me in her arms. She rescheduled the appointment because it was just too creepy. Oh, it ends with this. I'm not saying I believe in reincarnation, but I have a good feeling about it based on this story and a couple other ones I've heard. Up next is another story about Leo, who was from the time who from the time he was two, he started to tell his mom that she wasn't his mommy, which is pretty much the most evil thing as a kid that you can do to a mom. Uh, then by the age of three, he started saying he had a different birthday, June 26th, and that his middle name was different too. He said his middle name was Ko, C-O-E, and that he wrote movies for a living, and also that he had a daughter named Jennifer. He then told his mom that he died when he was 48. Lee's parents started naming titles of several movies to Lee, asking if he had written them, kind of just like playing with them. But when they mentioned Gone with the Wind, Lee instantly said yes. So the parents looked up Gone with the Wind. Sure enough, the movie was written by Sidney Co. Howard. And that Howard was born on June 26th, that different birthday, had a daughter named Jennifer, like he said, and died at age 48. Now, unfortunately, that's about it with this story. I, I found this story on numerous websites. It all seems to come back to one person posting about it in a, um, a chat room. So it does seem to be legit, but there's no more word on the story. Did Lee outgrow it? You know, what happened with Lee? And, and just like I said, just like with a lot of paranormal things, children often outgrow like imaginary friends, seeing dead people being psychic or seeing ghosts, whatever you want to call it, but they also outgrow the thoughts that they had lived before. It's like a light switch is flipped and they usually forget about everything and just become regular kids. Now, I talked about a kid that swore he was in World War II in an early episode. Um, I believe it was one with Mac in it. And, and that kid eventually grew out of it or just sort of forgot about his past life. And that does seem to be the case in most of these, not all of these, because some of these are from adults, but they have the story told to them like, oh, hey, when you were a kid, you mentioned this by their parents, you know, that kind of a thing. So it's not like they forget it completely. It just doesn't matter anymore. And they go on with the current life that they're living. Okay, up next is another thing that a lot of people who believe they've been reincarnated have in common, birthmarks. I talked about it for a minute at the beginning. Now let's get into it. That's right. If you have a birthmark, it might be significant. But hold on. Because for this story, let's head over to Sri Lanka and to Purnima Ekanyaki. I'm assuming, Michael, you're going to have to take a drink. A buddy of mine who's like, who likes listening to this podcast, and I appreciate it ever. Uh, Grider is his last name. He makes amazing things. Uh, if you look up Grider, I can't remember if it's Grider Inc., Grider Co., on um, on Instagram and on Etsy and whatnot, you can find all of the stuff that he makes. A lot of it is very tiki-oriented. He's freaking awesome. He's a good buddy of mine. Um, but he has a nice little fun little... He has a fun little game that he likes to play during Paranormal Almanac. Every time 
I screw something up, a name, screw a name up, which as you guys know is fairly often. Every time I screw a name up, he takes a drink. So just this story alone, Michael, I'm telling you, you're going to be drinking. All right, I looked it up and it's it's Griderco, G-R-I-D-E-R-C-O dot Etsy dot com. Take a look at his stuff. If you buy something from him, make sure you tell it that it was from me. Not that I get anything from it, but I just want him to know that, uh, you know, that I care. Okay, so Pernima, doesn't matter what her last name is, had an unusual birthmark dotting her lower ribs and chest. Like with just about every story on this episode, when she was a kid, she started talking about her past life. After a school trip to a temple 145 miles away, let me repeat that. She went on a school trip to a temple that was 145 miles away. Pernima insisted she lived in that town just across the river from the temple, and she claimed she was once a male incense maker who died in a traffic accident, which is, you gotta admit, that's pretty fucking specific. So her very supportive and understanding dad went all the way back to the town, all 145 miles away, and he started to ask around about the local about local incense makers that had lived in and died in the village. And that's when he discovered that there was one person who matched that description. It was a man by the name Jandasa, who was an incense maker that died when he was hit by a bus while riding his bicycle. So the dad and Pernima go over to Jandasa's old house, and she immediately recognizes and names both his wife and daughter, and also the name of the school Jandasa attended. Okay, back to that birthmark I was talking about. So it turns out that Jindasa's ribs were fractured and the fracturing and the bruising ran down his left side, as you probably guessed it, and ran along his lower ribs and left side, left side of his chest, just like Pernima's birthmark, identical to her birthmark. So a lot of things, um, a lot of the investigation or research about Birthmarks and reincarnation state that when a person, and I'll get to it in a little bit, but I'm going to kind of jump ahead a little bit right here. When a person has a violent death and it leaves a scar or a mark on the body, that mark is somehow transferred to the next, when the person's reincarnated to the next body, if you will, in the exact same location. So if that story is true, and I can't find anything to say that it's not true, that is an insane amount of details to get right. And the chances of her knowing it are beyond slim to none. I mean, it is none. There is no way that she would have known the town, the occupation, how they died, uh, the school, the wife's name, the daughter's name. There's just no freaking way. Yet again, if this story is true, it is absolutely incredible and, you know, a small piece of the puzzle to say that reincarnation is real. All right, up next is another one from the comment section of a video. I was looking up reincarnation videos. I was trying to find actual videos of people talking about their reincarnation. I couldn't find anything that was really substantial enough to play on this episode, but I did notice there were a lot of comments in those kind of videos from people again reassured that they weren't the only ones that have these thoughts and feelings. So up next is another one from a comment section of a video. 
My mother believes that I'm her grandmother reincarnated, who passed away shortly before I was born. When I was a, when I was a toddler, when I was a toddler, I would always grab both my mom's cheeks when I kissed her, which is how her grandma used to kiss her as well. Once when I was about three, I was apparently playing on the living room floor when I suddenly looked up at my mom and said, Edward wasn't a bad man, he just wasn't a good husband. That turns out was my great-grandfather's name. My mom freaked out a bit, but her grandma was her favorite person in the world, and now I think she likes having reasoning as to why I'm her favorite kid, laugh, smile, whatever. She also went to a psychic who says that she and I are always together in our lives, whether we're sisters, mother and daughter, best friends, etc. And I think that really cemented it for her. Again, really neat story. Not a ton of other, other than Edward. Other than the Edward part, there's not a ton of specific um, information that could concretely say that she is reincarnated, but very interesting. The next one says, I was babysitting my nephew a couple of days ago. He's five years old, and he told me a very chilling story. We were sitting on the couch watching SpongeBob when he turned to me and said, Auntie, I was killed when I was a baby. I lived in a blue house, and a man killed my family. Then I went to Mama's belly, and now I'm me. It sent shivers down my spine. I asked my sister about it, and she told me he told her the same story, but way more detailed. She asked him if it was a dream, and he insisted it wasn't, and that it really did happen. So let me pause right here to say, if you've got a kid, and they mention something about reincarnation or a past life, or even something paranormal, like seeing a ghost, don't freak out, don't shut down as much as hard as it can be. Start asking them questions. Find out details, especially if it's reincarnation. Stuff that they can tell you specifically that you can you know, write down and look up later to see if you can verify what they're telling you. And if you can, come on my show because I want to hear about it. All right, the next one says, This is so ironic. When I was a little girl, I used to tell stories about my other family. I said I died as a child and that I was hit by a truck. The unnatural part is I had super high anxiety when I was too young to understand death. My fear of dying was so bad that my mother wanted to take me to a doctor. I had screaming fits and I wouldn't tell her why I was so afraid. As I aged and forgot about these stories, my fear of death subsided. Neat, fun little story. I don't know why it's so ironic, but, uh, but there you have it. All right, this next story is about a guy named Arthur Flowerdew. Now, this one is from a guy who's actually an adult, so it's a little bit more rare from what I found, but Arthur Flowerdew always had vivid memories of a city surrounded by a desert and a temple carved into a cliff. Then one day, he's watching the BBC documentary on television, and he saw the city of Petra, Jordan. This was the exact city that he had vivid memories of. So Flowerdew shared his story with several people, including BBC reporters, and they started asking him to put his story on television, if they could do that. Like, hey, we want to film this. So several archaeologists flew to Petra with, with Arthur, and he immediately recognized landmarks with ease, including sites that had not yet been excavated. That's important. That's very cool. Now, when he was presented with an ancient device, the purpose of which had baffled scholars for years, he offered a plausible explanation regarding its use. They couldn't prove that's what it was, but it was very plausible. And after seeing a guard station, Arthur recalled that he had died there when he was stabbed with a spear. Now again, I can't verify any of this, 
But according to the story, Flower Dew, uh, Arthur, that is, Flower Dew, said he had never studied the city previously and only heard upon it, heard of it while watching it on that BBC documentary. Now, he's an older guy. There's a good chance that maybe he had read about it when he was a kid, heard about it when he was a kid. It was on TV when he wasn't really paying attention as a kid, something, and it just kind of seeped into his memories. All of that is possible. I am definitely not saying it's not possible. Like I said in the beginning, these stories are for you to decide if you believe them or you don't. Okay, this next one is my main problem with reincarnation. Like I was saying earlier, there are a ton of stories about people being someone famous in their past lives, and I hate them. Look, the odds are that if you were born some historically significant person in your past life, the odds are so incredibly small about that actually happening. Someone that you could remember 300 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever, yet... A ton of people on these websites think that, oh, I was 100%, I was John Lennon, I was Cleopatra, I was Mark Anthony. No, not everybody was someone famous in their past life. There's a good chance that you dug a ditch 100 years ago or you shoveled shit in Egypt a 1,000 years ago. Not everybody was famous in their past life. But anyhow... Barbro Carlin was born in Sweden in 1954. From the time she could talk, Carlin began telling her parents that she was somebody, that she used to be somebody named Anne Frank. That's right. Barbro, sorry, Barbro, it's a weird name, claimed she was Anne Frank and she kept telling her parents about how she had nightmares of men kicking in her door and taking her away. Now, here's the bigger problem. Her parents were confused because they had no idea who Anne Frank was, that she was a real person. Two big bullshit parts of this story. But anyhow, so the parents took her to Amsterdam when she was 10 years old. She quickly led them to Frank's house with no directions. Pretty sure there's a shit ton of signs going to Anne Frank's house, but okay. She correctly identified a spot on the wall where Frank had hung photos of movie stars and noted the steps were different than she remembered them. That's why I added this, this little couple of little things that she probably couldn't have known. So, was she Anne Frank? Can't say she wasn't. No possible way I could say she wasn't. It's really odd that she's not the only one who said that she was Anne Frank in a past life. But, again, there's a couple of things that she probably couldn't have known. Like the steps were different, where she hung the photos. It just seems weird. That's all I'm saying. It seems weird. Okay, up next is another one from a comment section of a video. Apparently, when I was three or four years old, I used to tell my mom that I died in an earthquake and I had a shop or something and talk about my family that didn't actually exist, as well as predicting when the phone would ring and stuff. Of course, I don't remember it, but my mom insists that I said these things that I had no way of coming up with being so young and not really watching TV or anything. Again, Really young, three or four. It always seems to be but like between two and five. That seems to be like the sweet spot for kids remembering this stuff, including this next one. My three-year-old son told about it, told us about his life 100 years ago. So then it goes on to talk about, uh, they did a little research about stadium accidents in Philadelphia. Apparently the, the three-year-old son said that he had died 
in a stadium accident 100 years ago. So this person starts researching stadium accidents in Philadelphia. 12 people died in a collapse at the Baker Bowl on August 8th, 1903. So they go on to try and find a list of names. So they wrote to the Philadelphia Inquirer, hoping that they could help. Okay, so here's the story. I posted the other day about how I asked my son who he was before I was his mommy, and he told me that he was my cat that passed away about a year and a half before he was born. I think perhaps that it might have triggered another of his past life memories. Also, the timing was just incredible. We were 12 hours from getting married. Okay, it is the same story. It, got, it went weird about the cat thing. I apologize. I think perhaps that might have triggered another of his past life memories. Okay. Also, the timing of this was just incredible. We were 12 hours away from being married, and he was just starting to tell us about the incredible detailed story and talking much different than he normally does. My husband, so weird that I'm marrying that, we just got married Saturday, ha ha ha, is an atheist and does not remotely believe in any kind of afterlife or souls or reincarnation or anything like that, and he was completely blown away. I'll shorten it up as much as possible because he went on and on for over an hour. We even tried to do leading questions with him to see if he would go along with whatever we were saying in case he was just making the whole thing up. And this little boy completely denied what we said and corrected us. His story never changed either. He said his name was Charlie and he lived 100 years ago. He said his sissy now, his sissy now was his sister. He used to say sissy, then sister. Only her name used to be Kathy. Then he had a big brother named Jack. He said when he died, he was 26, and he was at a stadium, and there was an accident. We tried to find out what happened. He said, I can't tell you that. We tried to find out a last name. He said, I can't say. We did manage to get a location from him, though. He said, Philadelphia. My son does not know what Philadelphia is. Not only that, but he said, I was in Arabia before, but that wasn't Charlie. He sure as shit doesn't even know there is an Arabia either. The weirdest part of this, and I mean, we both had goosebumps while he was telling us all this, his, was his voice and the way he was speaking was so not him. My son is a little goofball and he says funny words and tries to get people to, tries to make people laugh and stuff. But this time, he was so serious. And the way he was speaking isn't how he talks. Also, he wasn't actually getting kind of, also, he was actually getting kind of upset trying to talk about whatever the accident was and talking about his sister and brother he had then. Anyway, I just wanted to share this with you. Both of us have just been so floored by this whole experience. It's crazy. And that's when that starts uh, with that whole edit. I started researching stadium accidents in Philadelphia. 12 people died in a collapse, the Baker Bowl. So a lot of the information does seem to be there. He said he died about 100 years ago in Philadelphia in a stadium accident. How the hell is this three-year-old going to know any of that stuff? Okay, up next... When I was about four or five, I told my parents that they weren't my first parents. I was little and have no memory of this, but my mom and dad both told me the story. I told them I died in a tornado in 1976 and that I had been 16 years old. I was a weird, too smart little kid that had said really strange shit all the time, so my parents just chalked it up to that. About five years ago, my mom called me. She reminded me of the story I had told when she was little, when I was little. She said it started to bug her after all these years, so she googled anything about tornado deaths in Michigan in 1976. There was exactly one that year. It was a 16-year-old girl who was riding in a car when it was thrown off the road by a tornado. I looked it up too, as sure as hell she was right. I have no memory of telling him this story and no memory of dying in a tornado, 
but my mom is pretty straight-laced and not one to believe in hokey bullcrap. Again, between the age of two and five, when she was about four or five, she had this story, she had completely forgotten about it. It was very nonchalant for her, but it always bugged her mom, and some of the details did turn out to be right. Okay, the next story says, When I was 17, a friend and I were bored. We were driving around backwoods trying to get lost. We often didn't know where we were going, and we drove around for a while until either of us thought of something to do or ended up somewhere. Anyway, we were driving along a backcountry road when I suddenly began to cry and had to pull off the shoulder. Now, she was confused and kept asking me what was wrong. I told her that I had died there. I explained that up ahead there was a bridge. Next to that bridge was a house that I had lived in that house when I was little. I used to go chasing my brothers and their friends when they, go, when they would go fishing. One day, I tripped over a rock when I was running after them, and I drowned under that bridge. I had never driven on that road before. I had no way of knowing if what I had said was true until we put the car back in gear and drove ahead. To our amazement, a mile, about a mile up the road was a very old house sitting on a piece of property next to a creek, and the road we were on passed over that creek. I didn't get out of the car, and I didn't ever go back. It was one of the crazy experiences I've ever had. See, now I wish this person was a listener. Maybe they are. I don't know. If they were a listener, I would tell them, the fuck are you doing? Go back there. Go to that house. Find out if anybody ever died in the house. You don't even have to go to that house if you don't want to. Find out the address of the house. See if anybody ever died in that house. But I would go to that house. See if someone is living there that was around back then that can corroborate your story. You're so close to having the perfect paranormal story and you wimp out there? Come on, suck it up. Go over the bridge. Go to the house. Okay, when uh, up next, when I was about three, huh, again, uh, when I was about three, my dad says we were driving past a farm and he heard me inhale deeply and sigh. Then I told him that I loved the smell of cows and that I used to own a farm. He said he chuckled and didn't think much of it. Then I followed it up with, yup, a farm. But I was a man then and I had two sons, a wife too, yup. He was shocked and pressed me for more details to which I was not interested in sharing apparently. Every part of that story is the classic kid talking about reincarnation. Up next, my kid constantly tells us when he was a man back in 64. He said he had darker skin, lived in a random town in our state, and played, quote, music guitar, but with only a few strings. He also told us he died after, he, after the, his legs stopped working, and he ate too much candy. He even told an EMT that he lived back in 64, and that he used to smoke cigars, but he had to stop because he was eating too many gummies. That's just weird. Your kid's weird. Sorry. Sorry. Your kid's weird. Up next. When my daughter was about three, she's 42 now, she told me that she had died in a plane crash on a mountain, and they were all taken away in black cars with three seats. When she was three. That's freaky. Look, kids are freaky enough as is. Um... I don't know if I ever told this story on this podcast. Um, if I have, I apologize, but it's a quick story, so it doesn't matter. Uh, my mom used to run a daycare at the house um, back when I, when, you know, when I was growing up. And uh, one of the little kids and her were sitting on the couch. And the kid looked up at the ceiling, nothing there, and said, What's that? No, no, you can come down. No, it's okay. You can come down and play with me. And that's when I was like, Yep, nope, don't like kids. Don't like that kid. Kids are creepy. Don't like anything about it. But again, if you happen to be there 
and your kid happens to say something like that, ask them questions. Find out what they're looking at. What does the person look like? Is it really an imaginary person, which should be really quickly to figure out? Or are they seeing someone that's freaking dead? All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, this next one's a good one. Again, if it's true. When I was three, I started speaking fluent Spanish to my shocked mother. When she asked me why I was speaking another language, I told her, in English, that my name was Juan, a teacher, and I wanted to go back to my six children. When she asked where they were, I said, where the bulls live. After that day, I never spoke Spanish again, but sometimes spoke of missing my six children. I'm a woman and from Quebec, Canada. Nobody in my family speaks Spanish. That's a cool story. That's a really cool story. Okay, up next, I'm from a rural area, and my dad and grandpa were both farmers when I was little. According to my dad, he was working out in a field somewhere, and I was riding with them in the tractor. I was about three at the time, and he said I asked him, Remember when we used to come here? He said he had never been there before, so he asked me what I was talking about, and I said something about how we used to come here and mine coal. He thought it was really weird, so he asked my grandpa if he had ever taken me out there before and told him about what I what I had said. My grandfather said I had never taken them there before, but there was a coal mine there a long time ago. So was that kid reincarnating? Was that kid reincarnated and remembering that? Was that kid possessed for a second or haunted for something? Don't know. But again, three years old. Really freaking weird. Okay, up next. Well, when my mom was six months pregnant with me, her mother, my grandmother, died suddenly. My mother, my mom always believed that her mother must have died so that I could live. Fast forward, I'm two years old and I'm playing in the kitchen while my mom is cooking dinner. I say out of the blue to my mom, remember that time you were building sandcastles outside the old house when you were little? My mom said, well, yeah, I remember that, but I never told you that story. How do you know that? Then I said, because I was your mom. Then my mom said, I just stared at her for a few seconds, and then I went back to playing. She said I had no memory of saying any of it afterwards. As I grew up, she started noticing how much I resembled my grandmother. I love roses just like her, certain scents just like her, and sometimes my mom says I'll say something exactly the same way she'll say it, or say the exact saying as she used to say it without even knowing it. Okay, only a few more, don't worry. Shante Devi, Devi? Shante Devi recalled her past life from a young age. She remembered her old telephone number. Her parents called it, and sure enough, the man that Shante said was her husband answered the phone. She met the family of her past life and was able to name over 20 of them and recall all the promises her husband made to her on her deathbed. And she says she even recalls her death, which was 10 days, 10 days after giving birth. Her husband was on her deathbed and she recalls her death. I don't know what the rest of that means. Doesn't matter. That's a cool enough story. That one is one of the, the stories, one of the cases that a doctor I'm about to tell you about in just a minute told. That's one of his cases that he documented. I wanted to throw that in the middle of it because it's such a good one. All right, this next one says... I have a strange one. My youngest, from the first words out of her mouth, she would talk about living in a rainbow castle in the sky with her princess family. She was actually pretty hateful about it. Hurt my and my young wife's feelings, a two or three-year-old telling you that she hates you, 
that you're nothing like, quote, my princess family in the sky. Now, I dismissed it all as drama and a strong personality. She stopped talking about it around five. Oops, I just hit the microphone. Sorry. Then one day, I decided to pick up a book about past lives. One of the more interesting stories in the book had already been linked here before, and it's about a kid who was able to give some pretty accurate information about dying in World War II. That's that same story that I told you about on that previous episode. Like I said, I think it was a Mac episode. But what sent chills down my spine, I read the whole book, and some of it was more convincing than the others, but it was the last damn chapter. The author goes on to say, You know, maybe none of this is real. The kid that remembered dying in World War II was also also told us also told his family about living in a rainbow castle in the sky where everyone was a prince or princess. And the writer says, still shudder thinking about it. I've done a lot of research and I'm pretty convinced. The book was Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives by Jim B. Tucker, MD, if you want to pick it up. Now I flip through it. Seems like it's a pretty decent book. I didn't use any of the cases from it as far as I know. I didn't buy the book. I didn't read them all. Um, I don't think any of my cases on this episode are from that book. If they are, well, I just gave you a plug, so go buy that book if you like this episode. Okay, so that was a ton of great stories, but I also mentioned at the beginning scientific research as well. And for that, we need to talk primarily about one man. And that man was Dr. Ian Stevenson. Sadly, he's passed away, but he was a Carlson professor of psychiatry and director of the Division of Personal Studies at the University of Virginia. Now, he dedicated a huge chunk of his last 40 years on reincarnation research. And I mean primarily on reincarnation research. Now, he went out and documented cases in India, Africa, the near and far east, Britain, United States, look, pretty much all over the globe. And he focused his studies on young children and their reincarnation claims. Now, to give you a brief idea what he heard, some of these children recognize former homes and neighborhoods, as well as still living relatives and friends of their past lives. They also recalled events, the most common being their violent deaths. That's right, violent deaths. Now, sometimes their birthmarks resembled scars that corresponded to wounds that led to their deaths. Now, violent death is a factor in reincarnation cases. And again, like I was saying earlier, just like it is with hauntings and paranormal stuff, the more violent the death, the more the child can remember of it, and, unfortunately, of those last agonizing moments. In more than 700 cases in six different cultures around the world, 61% remembered having died violently. Dr. Stevenson concluded that children also tend to remember the final years of a previous life. In fact, almost 75% of children appear to recall the way they died, in his study that is. And if death was violent, they remember it in a vivid detail. Now, he would take them to their, quote, previous houses or towns or locations, and some kids would know exactly where their house was, would meet the old family and use nicknames only the dead person would have known to use. And, and I like this about him, he would try to trick them and say, oh, well, this is your sister. And the kids would always say, no, that's my wife, that's my son, that's my whatever. They always knew who the person was, even when Dr. Stevenson was trying to trick them. 
So here's a couple more of his cases because they're fascinating. In Sri Lanka, a toddler one day overheard her mother mentioning the name of an obscure town, Katar, damn it, Kataragama, that the girl had never been to. The girl informed her mother that she drowned there when she, she drowned there when her dumb, quote, mentally challenged brother pushed her in the river that she had a bald father named Harath who sold flowers in a market near the Buddhist stupa, that she lived in a house that had a glass window in the roof, a skylight, dogs in the backyard that were tied up and fed meat, that the house was next door to a big Hindu temple, outside of which people smashed coconuts on the ground. Here's where it gets weird. Stevenson was able to confirm that there was indeed a flower vendor in Kataragrama who ran a stall near the Buddhist... All right, you know how... All of those details, all of them were correct. Now, the little girl did get a few items wrong, though, however. For instance, the girl's dad wasn't bald, but her grandfather and her uncle were, and his name wasn't Harath. That was the name, rather, of the dead girl's cousin. Otherwise, though, 27 out of 30 verifiable statements were proven right. Now, the two families never met, nor did they have any friends, co-workers, or other acquaintances in common. So there's no way that she could have got these details, basically. There is no way. He tried to trick her, tried to stumble. Nope. She got, what was it? She got 27 out of 30 very specific details about this specific family correct. This isn't like a John Edwards thing where, I'm sorry if you believe John Edwards is a real psychic, um... Allegedly, he's not. I personally don't believe he is. Um, it's not something like that, where he just starts throwing shit out at you. Do you have a relative that's dead? Uh, do they have a J in their name or an A? Do they have an O? Do they have an O? Do they have an N? Do they have an N? Do they have a J and O and N? Is John, Jonathan, Johnny, Joan, James, Jennifer, Jennifer, Jan? You know, like that bullshit. This wasn't that. This was a kid telling a very specific story. Look, try this out for yourself. Do you have... A relative? Do you have... Does, does this story connect to your personal life in any way, shape, or form? Do you have a mentally challenged brother that pushed you in a river? Do you have a bald father named Harath? Or any relatives named Harath? Did they sell flowers in a market near the Buddhist stupa? Did you live in a house that had a glass roof? All right, the skylight, you might have a skylight. How about dogs in the backyard that were tied up fed meat? How about that the house next door was a big Hindu temple outside of which people smashed coconuts on the ground? These aren't, like, I bet I can get a bunch of you, bunch of them right for you guys in just one second. All right, you ready? If I want to do my little John Edwards bullshit for you guys. Now, do you live in a town? Do you live in a house or uh, a structure, but you have neighbors nearby? You know the people that are nearby, but you don't know all of them. Do you have a car? Is that car, uh, is it black or red, white or silver? Um, do you live by a body of water? Is any of the street names uh, historical figures or historical names uh, in your area, in, in your city? Um, I see that you are unhappy and unfulfilled in your life, that you want more out of life. I see that, uh, that you sometimes are really bored and struggle with uh, what to do or where to go. Um, I see that you're unhappy with your job. You want more money. You don't feel like you're making enough money to, to you're just kind of like getting by. I see that, um, that, uh, that I see a, I see 
you have a family member that has passed away, um, and that family member you liked, um, they, they, they fondly, fondly remembered you. Uh, I see that, uh, that you, 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 you like pets. You not necessarily have one, but you do like pets. You like animals. You know, I'll say that you like animals. Um, I see that you also tend to go and get the same drink or meal on a fairly regular basis, almost like a weekly basis, daily or weekly basis, almost every morning, if not every morning, every week. See, that's the kind of bullshit that I bet you I got a bunch of those right. This little girl's wasn't like that at all, and she got 27 out of 30. I am kind of curious how much I got right for you guys. So if I got them all right, you all, you know, become a patron, because that's pretty damn impressive. Okay, so let's continue on with Dr. Stevenson, though. Like I said, she got 27 out of 30 right. It's really interesting. And another thing that he noticed is many of his subjects had unusual birthmarks and birth defects, such as finger deformities, underdeveloped ears, or being born without a lower leg. There were scar-like uh, birthmarks and port wine stains with and all and some awfully strange-looking moles in areas where you almost never find moles like the soles of your feet. So he started looking into that, started doing connecting the dots between the cases the kids were telling him and their previous lives and noticing that those birthmarks again connected to the way they died, violent ways they died. For example, a Turkish boy who was face was congenitally underdeveloped on the right side, said he remembered the life of a man who died from a shotgun blast at point-blank range. That's pretty shitty specific. Uh, a Burmese girl born without her lower right leg had talked about the life of a girl run over by a train. On the back of the head of a little boy in Thailand was a small, round, puckered birthmark, and at the front was a larger, irregular birthmark resembling the entry and exit wound of a bullet. Dr. Stevens had confirmed the details of the boy's statement about the life of a man who had been shot in the head from behind with a rifle, and it seemed to match. There was a child in India who said he remembered the life of a boy who had lost the fingers of his right hand in a fodder-chomping machine and was born with boneless stubs for fingers on his right hand. So he goes on to say that these kind of things are, again, the odds of them happening are very few and far between, if ever, Yet, these kids knew specific things or had specific cases or things on them that connected with the past lives. There were even three cases of children who had reacted violently when they unexpectedly crossed paths with their own murderers. That's right. He took them back to town to kind of prove, you know, their reincarnation story. Turns out that their past life person had been murdered and these kids freaked out violently when they crossed paths with their own murderers, including a preschooler who lunged for the throat of an adult stranger that he said killed him in his last life. All right, continuing with his research, about 35% of children, that's 210 cases, who claim to remember previous lives have birthmarks and or birth defects that they or adult informants attribute to wounds on a person whose life the children remembers. It's a really wordy way of saying what I just said a minute ago. Here's something directly from his research, though. The birth defect were nearly always of rare types. In the case of which a deceased person was identified, the details of which life unmistakably matched the child's statements. 
a close correspondence was nearly always found between the birthmarks and or birth defects on the child and the wounds on the deceased person in the former life. In 43 of 49 cases in which medical documents, usually a postmortem report, was obtained, it confirmed the correspondence between the wound and the birthmarks or birth defects. Again, really high numbers, 43 of 49. The memories the children recalled were far too specific to be chalked up to chance. In an article where three cases were looked at in great detail by Dr. Stevenson, he reported that each of the three children made roughly 30 to 40 claims regarding memories that they had in their past lives, 82 to 92% of which were both verifiable and correct. Again, that is a high margin. That is amazing to me that they are so specific and not one or two claims, 30 to 40 claims. Now, his best findings were put together in a book called 20 Cases Suggestive of Reincarnation. Not only that, the American Journal of Psychiatry reviewed these cases and said, quote, Cases recorded in such full detail as to persuade the open mind that reincarnation is a tenable hypothesis to explain them. In regard to reincarnation, he has painstakingly and unemotionally collected a detailed series of cases from India, cases in which the evidence is difficult to explain on any other grounds. He has placed, a, he has placed on record a large amount of data that cannot be ignored. Once again, that is from the American Journal of Psychiatry. His findings were also published in peer-reviewed journals in the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease and the International Journal of Comparative Sociology. So again, a lot of peer-backed studies seem to agree with Dr. Stevenson. And again, with something like this, we're never going to be 100% conclusive proof. At least not until... You know, not until technology comes along that we can scan brains and do all that funky, cool sci-fi crap. But until then, and it's almost like what I've been saying all along, that science will prove the paranormal. I think that science will prove past lives, or at least that these past lives or these past memories or whatever are real. However they're doing it, however it's happening, they do seem to be real. You can't get those kind of percentages on a regular basis. You cannot get 82 to 92% of which were both verifiable and correct in 30 to 40 claims each. The odds of that happening are astronomical. Again, in 43 of 49 cases, the correspondence between the wounds and the birthmarks were there. 43 out of 49 percent, or 43 out of 49 cases. That is a high percentage. Now, let me stop right here and say, yes, I know there's going to be some skeptics that are going to bring this up. So I'm going to bring it up for you. Yes, there was research into memories being passed down from generation to the next generation in humans, just like it does in animals. You know how like in animals like butterflies, they all have this same path, even though they can't live for the entire path of it. They, the migration path, all the butterflies do seem to know it. Birds seem to do that. Other animals seem to do that. You know, dogs seem to take on stuff that was from, you know, their, their ancestors. So, yes, there was a study, there was research into the fact that maybe, just maybe, memories can be passed down from generation to the next. 
Well, that can explain some of these stories, but definitely doesn't even come close to explaining all of them or most of them. Most of these kids did not have a familial connection with the dead person. They didn't know them. They're from a different town, a different area. There is no explanation, no gene or gene genealogical explanation for how they could know what they know. All right, so I'm going to leave it here for reincarnation for tonight. I'm very curious to see what you guys think of reincarnation. What did you think before this episode? What did you think after this episode? Did any of it persuade you? I was very persuaded by Dr. Stevenson's research. Again, he wasn't leading the kids. It's not like hypnotic regression where you can accidentally lead the subject into saying they saw a UFO or whatever. He was listening to the kids' stories, writing it down, finding out if it was verifiable, taking those kids to those locations, and then still having the kids verify stuff while he was trying to trick them. Oh, well, this is your sister. No, that was my mother. Oh, that's your brother. No, that was my dad. That was my uncle. Whatever. He was doing it from a completely different mindset than a hypnotherapist. And again, if you do hypnotherapy, more power to you. I'm not trying to knock it. I'm just saying... Scientifically speaking, this seems a little bit more verifiable, and that's what I liked about this one. So what did you guys think? Do you, Did you guys or do you guys believe in reincarnation? How about this? Do I have any listeners out there that have that think they've been reincarnated, that, have, that can remember, that have a story to tell me about reincarnation, whether it be you or your sister or your mom or whatever? Just like with the true ghost stories, listener ghost stories, all I ask is that they're true. So if you know somebody who thinks they've been reincarnated, I'd love to hear about it, especially if they have details. And again, if you're a parent or an uncle or a babysitter or whatever, and a kid starts to talk about something like this, don't brush it off. Don't freak out. Ask them questions. Find out information. Because if the kid is willing to talk about it then, even nonchalantly, they might give you something that you can then go back and verify. And if you can, that's incredible. And again, I want to hear about it. But I personally don't have any recollections of ever being reincarnated. I don't think I ever told my family. No one's ever brought it up like, hey, man, you once told me that you were, you know, Elvis Presley. Well, Elvis Presley was alive. That would be a weird one. That, um, I don't know, that you were some celebrity from the 40s. You, you know, like, oh, you know, you, you, you told us that you told us that you were Steve Reeves back in the day. Really? That's weird. Or George Reeve or somebody from back in the day. No, I don't think as far as I know, I've never I don't have any reincarnation memories. Maybe maybe I talked about it. And my parents just weren't paying attention, you know, whatever. Maybe I was nonchalant about it and forgot about it. Who's to say? But again. After looking into reincarnation, surprisingly, after looking into reincarnation, I came out of this one after doing the research more of a believer than when I went in. And that's usually not the case. Usually I have a strong belief and it gets shot down because I can debunk it. Or I have no belief at the beginning and no belief at the end. Whereas this one, I came out of this thinking there's something to reincarnation. There are too many cases there's too many specifics, that age range of the kids and every, the way they describe it and everything. It all seems like 
they're still more connected to the spirit plane than to our world or our reality, so they can still remember that stuff. There were even a bunch of uh, stories about kids remembering, you know, choosing their parents or dying, remembering their old life, dying, seeing their mom, and then being born. They remember all of this stuff. They seem to have pre-birth memories. And it's really bizarre, really weird. And I'd love to get to the bottom of it. But again, ultimately, it's one of those things. You either believe it or you don't because there's not a real, there's not a real verifiable way for me to prove to you that reincarnation is real. I think Dr. Stevenson is probably the best person or the person that's done the most to convince everybody. But even still, it's either you believe it or you don't. And I hope you do. Or have, actually, I don't. I hope you believe whatever you want to believe. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. Once again, I am your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Scandinavian, the Serbs, the Rosette, the Dinner, the Rebbe, 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 the Rebb